So, um, I'm going to talk this morning about living on alms. And this talk served a dual purpose. One is for our normal Sunday morning talk to the congregation and community. And it's also going to be part of a series that the monks are doing on exploring monastic life for the Abbey website. Um, this summer we're offering a retreat for those interested in becoming monks, and this talk will be uh, part of that series as way of preparation for the retreat. Living on alms is a relationship and represents a foundational principle of monastic life. It encapsulates the relationship between the two branches of the Sangha, monks and laity. Lay people offer donations from their lives to support the monks, and the monks in turn offer the donation of the Dharma. Without lay donors, there would be no monks. Your support enables the monks to devote their whole lives to the study and practice of the Buddha's teaching, the Dharma. The monks on their part generously offer guidance, teaching, and spiritual counseling, which provides a constant and dependable refuge for lay practice. The monks also engage in propagation and spread of the Dharma. All of this constitutes right livelihood for monks, a step of the Eightfold Path. Monks of our order do not have outside employment. I will be talking about the monastic side of almsgiving, but it should always be borne in mind that this is a two-way street, a mutual endeavor. We have an alms verse which we recite before each meal that expresses this interconnection. It begins, the two kinds of alms, material and spiritual, have the endowment of boundless merit. Alms, or donations, are an endowment, an investment, and a trust in the future of the Sangha. Generosity in accordance with one's means, is the keynote in almsgiving. We even have a precept on giving, the eighth great precept, which is, I will not be mean or stingy in giving either dharma or wealth. Almsgiving was already a common practice in ancient India when the Buddha is young Prince Siddhartha left his family and renounced his kingdom and went in search for the truth. Spiritual mendicants in search of the meaning of life were already a usual part of the cultural life of the day. Ordinary people recognized the value of this endeavor and supported them with offerings of food and other means of support. Reverend Master Jiu, the founder of our order in the West, once said that India was the most spiritual country in the world, 
And this recognition of the importance of the religious life in contrast to crass or even subtle materialism could be one reason she said that. The Buddha's early quest was spent in the company of two prominent teachers and their followers. They were all supported by alms. After the Buddha struck out on his own, eventually giving up on ascetic practices, his final push for realization was fueled by the offering of rice pudding by a young woman named Sujata. This offering, as an example, was immortalized by the eruption of a stupa to commemorate the event, and it can still be seen and reverenced in India today. As the Buddha began to organize his early collection of followers, the Sangha, lay and monastic, he made almsgiving the primary foundation of the institution, for want of a better word. Monks were to depend entirely on the offerings of gifts of the faithful, and lay people, as part of their practice, were to support the monastics. This meant food, but also included lodging, often beautiful parks and groves of trees, which became the first monasteries, cloth for robes, and medicine for six sick monks in times of illness. These are called the four requisites, food, shelter, clothing, and medicine. The importance of living on alms was enshrined in the many rules that developed around the use of the monks' begging bowls. These bowls were among the only possessions allowed to monks and there were regulations concerning its use, its material, its storage and care, and its use. The gathering of alms food was also made part of the monk's daily routine. Each morning after meditation, the monks would gather together and walk silently and single file through the nearest village or town to accept food from the residents. They were required to stop in each house without discriminating between rich and poor, and ideally without anticipating what food they might receive. They were taught to gratefully accept whatever food was offered without discriminating as to its quality or flavor. It was understood that these offerings were from the hard-earned fruit of the donors' lives. The alms bowl came to represent the mind of the trainee, with which, in meditation, we learn to accept whatever arises without judgment. We maintain this emphasis on acceptance in the monastery by the entire community gratefully sharing the same meals together, sometimes in a formal ceremony, 
sometimes buffet style, and often during a lay retreat, we follow the same procedure. There's no raiding of the refrigerator anytime we want to. On their part, the chief cook and kitchen staff provide the most generous food offering possible, depending on donations, supplies, and funds from the bursar. Sometimes the food is a direct donation from a lay donor, and we gladly make use of all offerings. In the East, in some temples, the congregation is encouraged to bring an offering when they come to the temple. I encouraged this practice when I was the prior at the Eugene Priory in Oregon, and I think some people found it helpful. The amount or size of the offering is not important. Remembering the monk's need for sustenance and support is. And there are also offerings of one's time and one's energy. The dependence of the monastic sangha on the lay sangha is embodied in the monk's kesa, or meditation robe. Originally, the robe was made up of unwanted scraps of fabric called waist cloth, and the monks were called patch-robed monks. Later, the Buddha allowed the use of cloth donated by the laity but the design of the original lay robe was continued. It consists of many small squares and rectangles arranged to resemble the rice paddies of the area with their fields, dikes, and canals, which viewed from a high vantage point like Vulture Peak. Upon an inquiry from Ananda, his sheep attendant, the Buddha instructed that the robes be made this way in order to remind the monks of their dependence and reliance upon the offerings of lay people, usually of rice. The robe came to be called the field of merit, a place where the laity could plant good seeds of merit through their donations. The small kesa, or raksu, worn in daily life, follows a similar pattern. Whether large or small, the robe is always worn close to the heart. In contemporary society, we have had to adapt living on alms to our modern economic situation. Monetary gifts are the usual form of donations with which the temple purchases food, maintains the buildings, pays the utility bills, and provides clothing and medical care for the monks. This money also enables the monastery to offer retreats free of charge. It is traditional that the Dharma is always offered freely. Like most people in American society, the temple also pays into Social Security based on the value of room and board. 
thus enabling the monks to be eligible for Medicare in their old age. And then there is the ubiquitous need for medical insurance to cover current health expenses. Yet we always try to keep the spirit of the alms bowl. Another way we occasionally remind ourselves of living on alms is to enact an alms round in our local city in which the monks walk silently in single file with their bowls through the streets accepting food offerings. This is an echo of the original alms round conducted at the time of the Buddha. This is a practice which is new to American life, and it remains to be seen whether it will catch on as a regular feature of monastic life. As stated in the beginning, living on alms constitutes a central and foundational part of Sangha life. It embodies and represents in a concrete way the mutual dependence of monks and laity. Always the hallmarks are generosity and gratitude. We call this giving dana, an ancient Buddha, Buddhist word in Pali and Sanskrit, which translates as giving, generosity, or charity. Always alms, both material and spiritual, are offered generously because it is through generosity that we open our hearts to each other and to the world. I want to close with a teaching of the Buddha on giving. It is from the Divadana, or Divine Stories, literally translated as Stories of the Past Lives of the Buddha's Disciples. These are not historical, historical accounts like other parts from the Pali Canon. They were passed down to illustrate, among other things, the law of karma, cause and effect. The Buddha comments at the end of one story. If all beings were to know the result of charity and the consequence of offering charity, as I know the result of charity and the consequence of offering charity, then they would never eat the last, very last remaining morsel of food all by themselves without giving it away or sharing it with others. And the stingy thoughts that arise would not seize hold of their minds. And in another place, the Buddha says, you can give this morsel of food even to an animal. Okay, the, the emphasis on, on generosity. And I myself, I don't take this teaching literally, um, but what I do is when I reach the end of a meal, I try to be willing to offer that last morsel of food to others. And in that way, I keep the spirit of the Buddha's teaching. The Buddha 
continues. He who doesn't see what is put before him, nor good or bad, nor service is rendered, who doesn't see his duty to the wise, nor to the noble community, he shall perish. But what is good, what is done, both good and bad, never perishes among the grateful. A good deed done well and an evil deed done maliciously will both inevitably mature and bear fruit. And in another story, he um, recites this, this really beautiful poem about the law of karma. Actions never come to naught, even after hundreds of millions of years. When the right conditions gather and the time is right, then they will have their effect on embodied beings. So thank you for your attention this morning.